Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The idea that we have a mental health crisis in the United States is to give short shrift to actually what is happening. When we engage the idea of crisis, we have a crisis at the border. We have a crisis of confidence. We have a crisis in this and a crisis in that. What we are doing is trying to, or if not succeeding in overlooking what it is that causes the issue. Well, we had a shooting. We have to get rid of the guns. Can we discuss why we had the shooting? No. Oh, is that right? Is that right? We can't even discuss what brought it about. Why is it that we had mass shootings that for a very long time were perpetrated by white men? And now mass shootings are perpetrated by all sorts of people to the extent that we call them mass shootings. We have six people murdered in Nashville. We're not allowed to talk about the fact that this was from somebody who claimed to be a man when they were a woman. We have a shooting that happened at Perry High Schools in Perry, Iowa. One person was killed. They want to ban assault weapons. A shotgun and a handgun were found on the suspect. No AR-15. And, of course, a connection to an LGBTQ this, that, and the other, which no one will talk about. Now, to think that everybody who thinks this way or is associated over here or has these predilections is somehow a killer is madness. But everywhere you look, there is madness. People can't fly on an airplane without somebody losing their mind. Everybody's in a fight. There was a story of a guy who 20 minutes into his flight pooped his pants didn't just go to the bathroom in his own trousers. It ended up all over the seats. How? How does all this air rage take place? And to what extent are airlines and TSA responsible? What about road rage? What in the world is happening? What is the underlying condition? Is anybody going to address this? Just me? Okay, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. I believe the answer is anxiety. Anxiety that is fed to America. I I wish I had like, okay, here's the way I want to start this and here's the direction that that I want to go. I'll start with this. This was a table that I found uh, online, and I trust who sent it and, and put, posted it and put it my way, so I utilize it here. This is term frequency in popular U.S. newspapers, four papers to be specific. The New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, the Washington Post, and the Wall Street Journal. Never mind the politics just for a, a moment in terms of whether you read them or not. This is about the fact that we would agree that the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, the Washington Post, and the Wall Street Journal would be amongst the five most popular newspapers in America. Someone might mention USA Today. Someone might mention the New York Post. These are them. I'm a Washington Times guy myself, neither here nor there. 
if you take a look at the utilization of the term racist, racists, plural, or racism, the Washington Post has had an increase of 361% over that decade, 2010 to 2020. The Wall Street Journal, it was 468%. The Los Angeles Times, or I'm sorry, the New York Times, it was 712%. The Los Angeles Times was 756%. So could we average it all together and say that the increase in the mentions of racist, racists, or racism was up 500%? And that's just in your local newspaper. Never mind ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, or CNN. Never mind what got mentioned on social media to you and or your children. Everything is racist. Everyone is a racist. Everything is bigotry. Everyone is a bigot. The country is a terrible country. The country is a racist country. The country is a bigoted country. The country didn't do this. The country didn't do that. Every day, you are fed. I am fed. The difference between you and I, by the way, is that I have this microphone to act as my therapy session. You are all my therapists. I should be paying you by the hour. If you submit your uh, your bill, uh, I, I will be sure to get that reimbursed. Uh, I, I don't have an address, but uh, best of luck to you. Um, what? All of a sudden, I'm going to start writing checks to everybody. Every day, we are fed Our kids are fed. Even if they're not our children, we should admit that children are fed this stream of anxiety. That everything is wrong and everything is bad and everything is chaos. And all of the things that reduce chaos, reduce stress, that bring normalcy, those are the bad things. Those are the problem things. Those are the issue things. Those are the things of what? Structural racism. Those are the things of bigotry. Those are the systems that need to be demolished that one must oppose. And if you are not opposed to demolishing the system of oppression, then you must be the what? The oppressor. Every day, the oppressed oppressor conversation happens. Every day, you're being oppressed. This is all Marxism. This is all. The oppressed and oppressor is the same as Barack Obama talking about the 99% and the 1%. It is Karl Marx talking about the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. The conversation has not changed. It is just the word manipulation of the liars and the frauds who engage it and utilize it to damage you and damage your families and increase the stress and thus the anxiety. Nothing is good, nothing is decent, nothing is right, nothing is fair, nothing is acceptable. As a matter of fact, the very ground that you stand on was stolen. This is what they do when it comes to medical students taking the Hippocratic Oath, the recognition that they're standing on stolen land. You mean everywhere I walk, I'm awful for existing on this terra firma. Anxiety. Anxiety of everybody doing you wrong, so everything you see is somebody doing something wrong to you. So when an airplane 
indeed is delayed, you lose your mind because you are personally being wronged. Thus, every video you see of somebody screaming like a lunatic. And maybe the problem is we all have to be our own brand. So now I have to videotape someone screaming like a lunatic as opposed to walking up to them and saying, hey, I'm a human being too. How can I help you? I know you're upset. You want to talk about it? Screaming at them won't help. Hey, I'm frustrated too. Tell me what's on your mind. Nope. World star. Got to get that recording. Got to get it done. This is the FDA's chief scientist. I I must admit, I was not uh, aware uh, that the FDA had a chief scientist because I haven't spent that much time studying the FDA, but it makes sense, I guess. Uh, Dr. Bumpus, uh, she was named the FDA's chief scientist uh, June uh, 30th of 2022. The Office of the Chief Scientist supports the Research Foundation's science and innovation that underpins the FDA's regulatory mission. It says so uh, right right here. Uh, she was the chair of the Department of Pharmacology and Molecular Science at the John Hopkins School of Medicine. I mean, this is pretty impressive stuff. A doctorate in pharmacology, a University of, of, of Michigan, a postdoctoral fellowship in molecular and experimental medicine at the Scripps Research Institute in La Jolla. By the way, uh, La Jolla, gorgeous. Gorgeous if you've never been to La Jolla. I want you to listen to her right here as we discuss this idea of anxiety. But another thing I think is being vocal with other students. So there are, you know, students also that, um, you know, may not be making the environment as inclusive, inclusive as we hope, and those are future leaders. I think the students, um, yes, you hold leadership accountable, get faculty allies um, that will help you, you know, get to board meetings, meet board trustees, and have these conversations. But I think that holding other students accountable and thinking about the educational climate is really important, too. Now. She's not referring to the fact that when there's anti-Semitism on a college campus, you should get teachers uh, to be allies and hold the other administrators and, and professors and students accountable for being Jew-hating bigots. I'm pretty sure that's not what she's talking about there. But you have to make the environment inclusive. Why? Because you're not inclusive enough. You're not thinking enough. And to prove my point, she tells a story. Now, many of you might be driving right now. Some of you are, are truck drivers. I love you. Uh, some of you are, are moms taking the kids here, there, and everywhere. Love you. Uh, some of you are, are in, the, in, in the work truck. Thank you for being here. All right, I love you too. Uh, wherever you, whoever you are, wherever you may be, you're the CEO driving to a, a, a meeting. You're heading to your favorite cigar lounge because that's exactly where you should be heading. Hands on 10 and 2. Listen. So, for instance, um, I was visiting an institution that was having a pie in the face contest, a student sponsored pie in the face contest. You got to pay, I don't know, $20 to put a pie in a faculty member's face. And it was a medical school. So I kind of was a little bit, you know, surprised by it. And I said to the students, I said, well, you know, what happened to do no harm? Throwing a pie in someone's face, you know, that's not necessarily what we're trying to put forward as scientists and doctors and also a pie is not you know nutritional food but you're in a city there are a lot of people with food scarcity and here you are paying to put a pie in someone's face it really looks insensitive 
and I think that some of the students hadn't realized that and also faculty involved hadn't realized it. And it um, when I talked to more students, there were some of them that said, yes, there is this climate among us where there are, you know, these, um, it's these kind of differences in worldview. Um, you know, you all are the future leaders. I think that having this discussion among yourselves is important. Um, would also get faculty allies and hold faculty feet to the fire. You can't have fun. You're going to throw a pie in someone's face, maybe raise some money for charity. Don't you know that that is harm? You're harming. Why aren't you thinking about the harm that you're doing? Well, they might not be to them, but what about somebody passing by? What about the harm you're doing to them? And it's not nutritious. There's a, this is a food desert. There's a food scarcity issue. Everybody's going hungry. How come you're not doing more for them? Well, I do donate my time in a soup kitchen. I do donate to a food pantry. This just sounds like fun. You think that's enough? You think it's enough to give your time to a food pantry? Everything, everywhere, you're not doing enough. Everything, everywhere, you're guilty of something. Everything, everywhere, no fun shall be had, no downtime shall be had. You can never escape it. It is like the TVs speaking in 1984. You don't get to turn down the volume. You must hear their incessant babble every second of every minute of every hour of every day of every week of every month of every year of every decade. You must hear it again and again and over and over while you sleep and while you wake and while you bathe and while you have sex and in every other condition. You have to keep hearing them tell you you're not good enough. You haven't done enough. Everything is wrong. Everything is terrible. You're contributing to what is terrible or you're being oppressed by what other people are contributing to what is terrible. Maybe this is why we first saw it with millennials. Now we see with Gen Z. Generation Z are bringing their parents to job interviews because they can't do it on their own. They have no capacity to handle the interview on their own. They have no way, no inner uh, uh, monologue saying, of course I can do this. What's the worst thing I have? They say, no, I don't get the job. I'll get the next job. They've been told every day that everything is terrible and they are either contributing to what is terrible or something terrible is being done to them. And we wonder why they can't do a job interview. We wonder why they can't handle this thing. We haven't taught them to handle anything. And if they handle something, what if they're handling it the wrong way? What if they're not handling it in the way that the people who are above them, the elitists, have decided that it should be handled? Then they're going to be the oppressor that they have been told they cannot be. What will they do then? I wonder how many of you are anxious from the way I just made that conversation happen. The intensity... Of, of the speech, the rapidness of the words. I get it. I get it. I can feel my own heart race. We are a country that is filled with anxiety. And we are a country filled with those who are desperate to keep us there. How do you get your kid off social media so they can decompress and realize that that's not the world? 
how do you get your spouse to turn off, well, name the news channel, because they have it on 24 hours a day, like your parents might. And my gosh, you just don't want to have one more political conversation. I say this as a guy who understands the necessity and the need for the fight, and I discuss it with you often. But I'm also a guy who could be found from time to time in a cigar lounge talking to no one. If, if you were to go to some of the cigar lounges I frequent and talk to the staff there, I, I think that you might be shocked to learn that I, I'll say hello and I'll say goodbye, but I don't talk. I don't. Because one must tune out the madness. How else does one function? But what we need to do on top of our own personal sanity is we need to ensure that there are other places to turn to and look to to ensure that this insanity doesn't further infect the anxiety that is crippling America can be dealt with if we just decide to make it stop. Not just you and me, because we've decided, as a nation, I'm going to start discussing ways to do that. But the mental health issue in America, I think it's anxiety. And I think it's fixable. I'm Tony Katz. People that are just telling me, I'm going to vote for the Democrat because I'm a Democrat. I'm going to vote for the Republican, no matter who it is. That's bullcrap. Vote for the person. Vote for the best person that should be leading this country. That is Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia saying, I'm not running for a re-election again, and Democrats haven't been nice to me, so I'm going to burn it all down. What is, is, it, is the meme Elmo like with his hands up and, and the giant fire behind him. That's Joe Manchin. Oh, yeah. Vote for Joe Biden just because he's a Democrat? Please. You think that makes any sense? F these people. That's, that's Joe Manchin right there. Ah, oh, burning it. Burning it all down. A vicious mother, isn't he? Well, I, uh, on the way out, he certainly seems to be. But it's 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 not like um, we have to question uh, the the vote for Biden. I, I I'm I've said it. I'm going to say it again. The, 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 this is not the drugs talking. Joe Biden will not be the nominee. He will be moved out at the convention. Are we placing bets yet? Like, do we have a way of doing this? Could we, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't want to take a poll. I want to take people's money is what I want to do. I, everything is possible. That's why it, you're, you're taking the odds. But at, at, what sta- at what level are we not thinking this is going to happen? He's not the nominee. What I have stated is that it's just that he doesn't resign. I don't think they can get him to do that. Not be the nominee? I think he doesn't have a choice about that. Meanwhile, Senator Rand Paul has a thought on nominees. 
NeverNicky.net? Dang. I don't understand this story about Lincoln University where the vice president of student affairs committed suicide. She took her own life. I mean, that's tragic and awful. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I still use uh, that that number. I always remember that number, 800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255, which is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. And you can uh, use that. I think it's also now, is it 988 I think is also uh, what that hotline is, the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. If you ever feel the need to use it, you should use it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. So this this vice president of this college, it's a historically black college uh, university, HBACU, uh, as it's called, committed suicide. I, I don't know anything other than that part of, of the story. But the Lincoln University alumni... And I think students now want the school president to resign because they're uh, alleging that it was harassment and torment that drove this vice president of student affairs to commit suicide. That is that is one hell of an allegation. May I say, I know I don't know anything else about the story aside from this. I, I know that that is an incredible accusation, an aggressive accusation. And and I've been trying to determine how would one prove such an accusation. The letter that was sent, the school's National Alumni Association, sending a letter to the Lincoln University Board of Curators, endorsing the removal of Dr. John Mosley, as president, I don't know anything about Dr. John Mosley. Uh, except I'm looking at a photo here. Is, is Lincoln University an, an HBCU? Because that, that's how it's been reported. Okay, so there is a Lincoln University in Pennsylvania that's an HBCU. But this is about Lincoln University in Missouri. LincolnU.edu. I mean, it's right there on the website about her passing, except when I go to the uh, uh, about uh, page, right? I want to find out about uh, the office of the president. The president is white. So I, John Mosley. So I don't know. Yeah, no, it is. It's an HBCU. The president is white. The vice president who committed suicide is black. And now you've got this student group uh, and this alumni group, I should say, demanding that he be fired. Relatives of Dr. Mosley, the woman who committed suicide, said it was bullying and, uh, uh, I'm sorry, of Dr. Bailey. Dr. Bailey's the one who committed suicide. Dr. Mosley's the one who's the president of the university. And relatives said it was Dr. Mosley's bullying and severe mistreatment that drove Dr. Bailey to kill herself. Man, if I were you, I would follow this story. I, 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 how in the world does one make this claim? So, 
a, a, a news site is saying that this, this woman who committed suicide, this Dr. Bailey, revealed she'd been diagnosed with a mental health issue, told college officials. And after that, she felt, quote, unsupported, disregarded, and abused after countless attempts to speak out on the bullying and harassment she experienced in her role from President Mosley. Um, she even wrote a letter before her death condemning, quote, the stigmatized bullying she faced from the president and other leadership officials. But it's not clear who that letter was addressed to. So now she's written this down, but I don't have proof of the thing. Oh. Is is this going to become a situation where the white president has to be fired because clearly he didn't do enough. And for the record, sometimes there isn't anything one can do. And it's a, it's a, it's a, got to be a, an absolutely demoralizing feeling for friends and for family, knowing that you, you either didn't know or, or you, you tried and, and yet you weren't able to connect with them in a way that they uh, didn't take this, this, this final step. It's got to be brutalizing. But are we just in the blame game or do we have proof of the abuse? You better have proof of the abuse. Because that's one heck of an allegation to make without proof. Rand Paul is not making allegations. Rand Paul, the, con- the congressman, the senator from Kentucky, is saying point blank, no Nikki, please. Good morning, everyone. As I told you yesterday, I'm ready to say something about the presidential race. I've had a long relationship with Donald Trump, and there's a lot to like there. I'm also a big fan of a lot of the fiscal conservatism of Ron DeSantis. I think Vivek Ramaswamy's been an important voice. Also, have listened to and met with the independent Bobby Kennedy. I'm not yet ready to make a decision, but I am ready to make a decision on someone who I cannot support. So I'm announcing this morning that I'm never Nikki. And if you go to nevernikki.net, you can let her know that you're not a supporter either. I don't think any informed or knowledgeable libertarian or conservative should support Nikki Haley. I've seen her attitude towards our our interventions overseas. I've seen her involvement in the military industrial complex, $8 million being paid to become part of the team. But I've also seen her indicate that she thinks you should be registered to use the internet, that people posting ideas anonymously I think she fails to understand that our republic was founded upon people like Ben Franklin, Sam Adams, Madison, John Jay, and others who posted routinely for fear of the government. They posted routinely anonymously. And I think her failure to really understand that or to think that you should register through the government somehow for the Internet is something that should disqualify. That's just too much wind, Senator Paul. You need a better microphone. You need a better microphone right there. And there's a website, Never Nikki, and it's .net because the .com is available for five grand. You can buy NeverNikki.com for, for $5,000. And it says right here, paid for by Rand Paul for U.S. Senate. Huh. Uh, what do I think? What, what, do I, what, do I, what do I think of, of this? Rand Paul's entitled to get into the race all he wants. He's entitled to have an opinion uh, just like anybody else. If I take a look at the polling right now in these in these days, just before the Iowa caucus, that's not what people are saying. People are saying yes to Haley. 
the national polling, the Reuters Ipsos poll, the Economist YouGov poll have Haley above Ron DeSantis, but Trump by massive numbers. In one poll, Trump is up by 37. In another poll, Trump is up by 53. The Real Clear Politics average has him up 50 points nationally. But let's take it to Iowa. The Insider Advantage poll has it Trump 51, Haley 17, DeSantis 17. The Suffolk University poll has it Trump 54, Haley 22, DeSantis 13. The Iowa uh, State Civics poll, the Trafalgar poll, have Haley and DeSantis tied with Trump in the 52 to 55 range. So she's doing just fine. The poll before that is morning consult. Trump 58, Haley 15, DeSantis 14. Remember, she isn't trying to win Iowa. It's DeSantis who very much needs uh, to have a, a, a win or a place in Iowa. He needs it. If Haley leapfrogs DeSantis, that's all she needs to take her into New Hampshire. I mean, we're, we're not saying you like her or don't like her. We're just playing the pure, the, the, the pure politics of the thing. This might be too little too late in, in, in terms of, of, of Nikki Haley if, if there, there's going to be this real, real push. In the New Hampshire primary, the latest one is uh, there, there are two polls. Actually, we'll do, we'll do three. We'll do all three. Well, there's a fourth. All right, that just came up. The USA Today Suffolk poll has Trump 46, Haley 26, and DeSantis at eight. The CNN University of New Hampshire poll has Trump 39, Haley 32, and DeSantis at five. This is the one that everybody talked about because it only had Trump up by seven. The St. Anselm poll, and these are always screwy. Trump 45, Haley 31, DeSantis 6. And uh, WHDH-TV, Trump 44, Haley 28, DeSantis 7. And by the way, in all those polls, Christie's about 12 points. And you got to assume those Christie voters are going to be Haley voters. One has to assume this is, is the case. She only has to play. She only has to do better than Ron DeSantis in order to have an extremely good night in New Hampshire. Then she gets to go to her very own South Carolina where she's in a solid second place in double digits. The last poll there has it Trump 54, Haley 25, DeSantis 7. She is in all the positions she needs to be in order to be able to get the money to go up against Trump and Super Tuesday and then let Super Tuesday have some kind of split. That's what she's hoping for. Some kind of split that allows this to go to the convention, allows it to be a race. Now, I have stated, and I still believe this to be true, that Iowa is not going to be dictated by the polls. Iowa is going to be dictated by the weather. It is right now 18 degrees and snowing in Des Moines, Iowa. I mean, there have been storms everywhere. You had uh, flights, uh, uh, O'Hare, Chicago O'Hare, grounded flights between um, O'Hare and Indianapolis and and probably other places. Total ground stop from the FAA. And we're going to get disrupted flights all day. It's going to disrupt flights all weekend. But when you get to this weekend in Iowa, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. 
you have all the lows in the negative double digits. Saturday, a low of negative 12. Sunday, a low of negative 18. And on Monday, caucus day, caucus night, a low of 19 below zero, and that's without wind chill. That makes an effect. And the people saying, ah, it's cold weather. The people of Iowa are used to it. It's it's just such a write-off statement and not based in reality that it should be met with a little bit of, okay, clearly you're not paying attention here. Negative 20, children. Negative 20. It changes who comes out. And thus, I have gone with the theory that only the true believer comes out. And the people who have stuck with the DeSantis campaign. And and, and for, for clarity, I want DeSantis to win. I want DeSantis to, I think DeSantis is the best shot. I think DeSantis is the best shot, him being the nominee. Because I want things done. But I've said many times, if Trump is the nominee, check. If Haley is the nominee, check. She did not impress in that debate. And she is going to need a lot of us to apply a lot of pressure on her and feet to the fire to stick with being a conservative and not go off the reservation and engaging some kind of... um, let's try and make everyone happy type of lifestyle. I think that the true believers come out, and that's why I give DeSantis an opportunity to win Iowa, to actually win it, because the Trump people might feel, oh, he's so far ahead, it won't matter, and the Nikki Haley people might say, oh, she'll win New Hampshire, it's fine, she doesn't need this. Now, DeSantis still has, as we've been discussing, the toughest road ahead because he's going to get obliterated in New Hampshire. He's going to get punched in the face. He might get punched in the face so hard in New Hampshire, he falls directly off his lifted boots. Just down on the mat. That's right, I did a lifted boot joke. I don't even care who you are. I'm fine with it. I'm totally, totally fine with it. Um, it's, it's South Carolina where he needs to make some kind of showing. Does Iowa give him a chance to make a showing in New Hampshire? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Does it give him a chance to create a showing and build up in South Carolina where he's at least, according to the, according to the Real Clear Politics average, in double digits? Yes. And that's why I, I, I phrase it that way. Now, if he wins Iowa, is third in... in uh, in New Hampshire, and his third in South Carolina, he's really, really limping in to to Super Tuesday. Haley would have more momentum, and that's why I think it's it's an easier move for Haley. But all this is predicated on somehow the polling being off and Trump not just cleaning up. Boom, boom, boom. If he wins Iowa, wins New Hampshire, wins South Carolina, what are we doing? Who in the world will have any money left. De- who, DeSantis and Haley don't have a donor if if Trump goes one, two, three and wins all three. Wins all three? There's still going to be money left? I, I, I have a hard time seeing it. I guess it's possible. I just have a hard time seeing it. So, so here's where I'm at. The weather plays a huge part. I believe DeSantis has the greatest opportunity to surprise 
and win Iowa. When expect, expectations game is everything. But Nikki Haley has the best path to be able to be consistent in a second place to allow her to get to Super Tuesday. And if she can do that, she might be able to contend down the road. That's my take. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. The United States partners with the United Kingdom and strikes back at the Houthi rebels, which is, of course, a strike back on Iran because it's Iran that funds the Houthi rebels. Of course, we know this to be the case. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Appreciate it if you would. Why it took so long, that's the question. Why didn't this happen two months ago? Two months ago or two weeks ago or whatever the case may be, why now? And what is success here? Can you get the Houthi rebels to stop? Does this put you into a war with Iran? And the answer is, what if it does? Maybe that's what's necessary. Maybe this administration, like the Obama administration, have to learn that Iran is the enemy. You can't create a nuclear deal. You cannot bring these people to the table. They just want to kill you. Maybe you grow up. The Obama administration never did, and the Ben Rhodes of the world never did. Maybe now we do. You want to talk about the importance of elections? (laughs) This is one of the many, many reasons. I will get to that story. Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, is with us to break down what's happening in this response to the Houthi rebels attack. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today.